Hey guys, how we doing? Uh, welcome to the latest ep- episode of Four Checking TV. I'm your host Doug Glackey, and alongside me is my co-host uh, Scotty Porterfield. And tonight we are joined by a special guest, uh, Logan Hartnett, um, avid Pens fan, uh, Johnstown guy, and the official slash unofficial golf pro for the Florida Everglades of the ECHL. Logan, how we doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. It's good to finally see you again, talk to you, see a familiar face uh, so many miles away, but trying to live it down in Florida as best as I can. You know, things have uh, took a turn for the best, as some would say, but uh, we'll get into all that later. How have you been? Oh, buddy, I've, I've been fantastic. You know, I, I moved back home about a year and a half ago, started working at the hospital, uh, doing some uh, kitchen type stuff, getting back to my roots and uh, then COVID happened and we started doing this and uh, I think it's, it's working out. It's starting to take off a little bit and I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. So. Absolutely. Seems to be the trend to jump on too. kind of work from home, do your own thing and uh, produce as much as you want. Yeah, dude, exactly. I mean, obviously this is a great side hustle for me. I love my main job. I love everything about it. The money's good. And uh, you know, it's it, it's just fun a fun thing to do on the side. I mean, you know, I was a broadcasting major, so um, this is kind of like just something to keep me like sane a bit in a sense. Oh, everyone needs that hobby, especially in the past what year and a half, two years now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we're gonna get into this here. Um, big news day, big news couple weeks in the NHL um I want to start off with something that we forgot to touch on last week because we're doing a mock expansion draft that went on for probably like a half hour too long but um anyway um Pierre Maguire hired by the Ottawa Senators um he's in like some player development role but it seems like He's the heir to the throne in terms of being the next GM of the Ottawa Senators. And in that case, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> because, I mean, dude. So whenever Pierre was uh, had his introductory press conference, he was like, I had one GM offer about six or seven years ago, and it was a two-year deal. But I turned it down. I'm just like, good God. They interviewed him before they hired Jim Rutherford. And, you know, just like the Jason or the uh, Zach Parise, Ryan Suter debacle that almost went down a decade ago, that might be the biggest dodge bullet in Penguins history, because God knows what this team looks like right now with uh, Pierre Maguire making decisions. Uh, One thing is for certain, Chris Letang would be playing for the Canadians. Yeah, we'd only have three cups instead of five. No doubt. Yeah. So the specific role that he was given, he was the, I guess he's the senior vice president of player development, I guess is what the, the role he was given. And I mean, if you want to just base, for those of you who don't know, Peter McGuire has worked with NHL teams before. He was a coach at one point, even with the uh, Hartford Whalers. And here's a couple, here are just some, some excerpts, I guess, from that I saw going around Twitter to basically describe Pierre McGuire you know, in his short-lived coaching career. In 15 years of covering the NHL, we had never seen a coach so universally disrespected and disliked within his own organization. 
Another one says, in a blistering postmortem, Captain Pat Verbeek called McGuire's firing the best thing that could have happened to the Whalers. He said other teams mocked their coach. He said his own teammates had no respect for McGuire. He said a number of players wouldn't have wanted to play in Hartford anymore. Playing in Hartford all sucked as it was already because you're basically playing in a mall. And then your head coach was Pierre McGuire. Couldn't be very fun. And then the last one, once when he was an assistant coach, McGuire bragged about his strategy to shut down Mario Lemieux. This was after a 7-3 to loss and four goals by Kevin Stevens. So just to give you an idea of uh, – of Pierre Maguire's short, uh, short time behind the bench. Uh, it was not obviously the greatest, and uh, this is where we stand now. I don't know what motivated Ottawa to think, okay, this is the guy to help right our ship, but uh, for some reason, that's the, that's the guy they're going to go with. So we'll see how it plays out for him. I wish him the best of luck because they're going to need it probably. You know, and it's, it's a shame because that's a team that's like having a nice rebuild. They're really close in a lot of spots and Pierre Maguire is just going to go in there and just nuke it to hell. Most likely, you know, I mean, you know, and then he said, he's like, he has like the seven tier system where it's like, you have a really good puck moving defenseman, a shutdown defensive defenseman, two good centers and like a power forward winger. And it's like, so like my thing is with the defenseman, it's like, we need this one big, really good puck moving defenseman then we need like this guy that's good at the other thing it's like very bizarre to me you know like and we all know that whenever he says big hulking defensive defenseman he means like he'd trade for Nikita Zaitsev again if he could um you know not like doing the right thing and trading for like a Mackenzie Weger or, or a uh, Colton Pareko you know he'd be trading for like literal garbage and, you know, I mean, they have a lot of good prospects. They're so close. I mean, they have another top 10 draft pick coming next week in the draft. And it's like, you know, now everything's like in jeopardy because Pierre's there. Well, I think at some point Ottawa just has to say, what do we have to lose? I mean, we have these young guns right now. We need to shake things up. I don't know if it's a good move. I don't know if it's a bad move, but what does it hurt to try? We're already stuck in a rut. Might as, I mean, hopefully not dig yourself deeper, but hopefully venture down different avenues that may open a door here and there. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. And I agree. Um, you know, and the thing with Pierre is he, if, if he does become the GM of the Sens, he'll, you know, he might end up like Jim Rutherford where he's just making trades for the sake of making trades and he just falls ass backwards into a great roster. Yeah, it's possible. I just listened to uh, I just read a few John Cooper quotes. He said, you know, most teams were looking at uh, top six forwards, uh, top two, top four D, uh, but we're looking for the exact opposite. And sometimes you just find those diamond in the rough, not by looking at the superstars. And I feel like Pierre knows enough that he's going to be like, you know what, this guy could be, uh, a good fit for our roster, a good, really depth guy on that fourth line. Someone kind of mm-hmm. like a Jeff Carter who moved in last season for us. Yeah, and that's that's a big one. Like, that's a prime example for me of somebody who just, you know, wasn't on the radar at all. Um, I've told this story before. I don't know if you know this, but I was in the middle of doing a podcast with Nick Berlansky and his co-host Nick Horwat when the Carter trade broke. And I remember I was just sitting there like 
you know, thousand yard stare. I remember I texted Horwat, like, I think I remember I texted him like something along the lines of like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? You know, I'm like, oh, I hate this, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, turned out great for them. And so much to the point that, you know, if, if they lose him to the Kraken next week, they're in a bad shit. They're in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's being left exposed simply because he's pulling the Jason Spezza of, if any of you people pick me up, I will retire immediately. <laughs> so uh, kudos to Jeff Carter for that, if that is the case. Um, but yeah, you know, a couple trades went down. Um, obviously, the Victor Arvidsson to LA trade we touched on. Um, last night, Ryan Graves got traded to the um, New Jersey Devils for a second round pick and the top prospect. And Logan, Scotty, and I were talking about this before we started recording. If that's the asking price for a bottom pairing defensive minded defenseman, it is malpractice if the Penguins do not trade Marcus Pedersen by the midnight roster freeze tonight. 100%. And I mean, even like you look at the price of the Duncan Key trade, I know it's not possible because Mike Matheson does not um, possess the hockey men type intangibles of Duncan Keith. But like, if that's the going rate for Duncan Keith at this point in his career, trade Mike Matheson, you know, clear out this cap space because you have P.O. Joseph, who's going to be able to step into a third pairing role. You can easily sign like a John Merrill or a Mike Riley type of defenseman free agency to play with John Marino. And then you're still working with like couple, like millions of dollars at that rate, you know? And not only, but staying younger too. Exactly. I and mean, you're not talking about a guy like Duncan Keith, who's how old is he now? I mean, is he in his forties yet pushing it? He's um, like 38 or 39. It's the same thing as Landeskog. I read something about him. He's asking an absurd amount of money to get signed. I mean, I don't, I don't quite understand uh, where they think the second wind is coming from. That's like saying Gino is going to ask for uh, X, Y, Z, an absurd amount per year. I mean, yes, you have that potential, but is it here anymore? Not really. Um, Matheson, as the road you were going down, agreed. Free up as much cap space as you need because it's not only defensemen that we may be shopping or buying, but it's other positions uh, such as goaltending and maybe for somebody uh, to replace Carter if one of the young guys isn't healthy, just somebody on reserves, um, free up as much cap space as possible because, I mean, that seemed to be the topic of conversation uh, after that uh, Stanley Cup game five. That seemed to be a pretty uh, pretty big red light going off in people's eyes. And yeah, Bill and I think – go ahead, Scott. said just with uh, Landis Cog, uh, his ask, he's asking price for a salary that pays somewhere in the 9 to $10 million range. But he's willing to give Colorado a discount. This is from uh, Andy Strickland. And apparently the Panthers, Golden Knights, Lightning, Leafs, Islanders, and Blues have interest in him. So that's a steep price for him. And I don't know if he's, you know, really worth that per se. But uh, it's definitely going to be a steep price to ask for a guy. Could you imagine Toronto adding another $10 million player? I don't do you think they are able to do anything, though? <laughs> is it even possible at this point? Oh. I mean, Hyman coming off the books and then Kerfoot might make, might move the needle. 
they're in cap hell at this point or as it is. You don't want to go further down. You know, you don't want to yeah. go further down there. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Um, but uh, what I was going to say was like, we're going into an off season where, especially if they do move on from Jason Zucker in some capacity, where I think they still need to sign two top nine winners. Um, Freddie Gaudreau did phenomenal playing a third line role with uh, Carter and McCann this, this spring, but like, is that really what you want? Like, is that the guy that you want playing in that role? You know, whenever you're going to have guys like Thomas Tatar lying around, you know, basically at the bottom of the toy bin, like asking for probably like two and a half million, you have to try and pounce on those guys. You know, in my opinion, you try and get um, Tatar to play with Malkin, you know, run Tatar, Malkin and Kapanen because Tatar's a really good finisher. And he really likes playing with centers who rag the puck around in the slot. And Malkin does just that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm intrigued right now as to why you're not mentioning Tanev or mention why we, uh, you know, why it's such a big deal that we potentially do re-sign him or not release him for an expansion. What, what's your view on him? My big thing with Brandon Tanev that I don't understand is – Okay, so obviously, so context, Rob Rossi released a um, protection list that he's been hearing about for the Penguins for Seattle expansion draft this week. And the forwards were Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, Kapanen, and Bluger. Bluger and Tanev. And okay. then um, – they protected on defense. They protected Dumoulin, Latang, and Mark Friedman, and they protected Casey DeSmith. Um, obviously, Jared McCann is missing from that bunch, and he should not be missing from that bunch. Um, he put up amazing um, numbers this year in a shortened season, and um, Rob Rossi followed up that tweet with. My sense from talking to sources is Kraken likely would not select the following Penguins forwards if protect if unprotected. He listed Zucker, Carter, Mike Matheson, Marcus Patterson, and Tristan Jari. And those are all either older veteran players or guys on inflated cap hits. I know Brandon Tanev has been worth the money, but he would also classify as one of those inflated cap hits. Um, I don't understand why you're not just exposing um, Tanev and protecting McCann and making the choice obvious that the Kraken takes out Aston Reese when you're literally giving them a potential, you know, breakout candidate player in Jared McCann for free. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's Go ahead. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I like, it's like we said earlier, Dougie, I don't know if it's like, like maybe Hextall and Burke are kind of just, you know, infatuated with those intangibles that Tanev possesses because it seems like a lot of GMs seem to think that way. And look, I'll give Brandon Tanev his, his flowers while I can, because through the, through the first two years of his contract, he's lived up to, to his expectations. You know, he's lived up to the money, I'd say. He's been that guy, that little spark plug the Penguins need every now and then. But I, you know, something you have to wonder, you know, which one are you more willing to part ways with to me, Jared McCann, is a guy that I feel like he's just – he's right there. Like, he's almost above the hump. It just – maybe he just needs one little push. I don't know what it is. If he needs more time with Malkin, 
I don't know if he needs a, more time on the power play, whatever it may be. I feel like if he got that, you know, maybe he could turn in a 30 goal season. You know, that's the thing that, you know, you don't want to have like a, like a Vegas situation where they take like a Jonathan Marcheseau or a William Carlson. You're like, okay, whatever. You can have those guys. And then they just have break out and have, you know, 30, 40 goal seasons. Cause I feel like that could potentially happen here or worse yet, you know, you try, you try and sway Seattle to take a, take a Zach Aston Reese instead of Jared McCann. And you, you know, end up having to give up an elite prospect or a, or a draft pick to go along with it. I think that's another thing you bring into, into, into play as well. Yeah, and just so everybody knows, the current asking price for that type of a side deal with Seattle is apparently a first and a third round draft pick. And it's not worth it when your own management team is incapable of making the proper personnel decision in terms of uh, asset and roster management. And another thing we need to touch upon too, I think, and I think just based off of seeing how they've treated Tristan Jari through this whole expansion process, is there any chance he's still on the team by the end of this year? I mean, I don't think he makes the opening night roster. Because I mean, you gotta think, you gotta wonder. Like, he's definitely not a start. I don't know if he's a starting goalie anymore because they clearly prioritize Casey to Smith over him. So maybe that's up in the air, or at the very least. They're looking at this saying, hey, we don't have faith in you anymore. Because that's clearly what it seems like. It's like, hey, we are doing anything we can to get you off our hands. We're willing to let you go for free as opposed to, you know, trade for another goalie and having to give you up instead. That's how much they want rid of this guy. So I don't know what their, what their game plan is with uh, Jari right now, but you got to wonder is if he's even, like you said, Dougie, is he even going to see, you know, opening night? Yeah. And the thing is, they protect. I think they protected Casey DeSmith not because of it being like a vouch of confidence into Casey DeSmith. No. He's literally the only goalie in the organization that meets the expansion requirements other than Jari because Emil Army signed overseas and Alex DiOrio is exempt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And my big thing is, is if, if we're talking goalies, who's the goalie? <laughs> Who's going to be the guy that they bring in? You know, I mean, I personally like Linus Olmark from the Sabres. He's going to be a UFA in the summer. Um, he put up a respectable like 926 save percentage in Buffalo. And that was on some atrocious teams. I think he was even the goalie during the uh, tank for McEichel year. So, I mean, that might be something worth exploring. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good options. It just all comes down to the price for me. I'm trying to look at see like who are the free agent goalies that are going to hit the market. Obviously the most notable one that comes up is uh Tuka Rask. And I don't know what mm-hmm. his asking price is going to be, but you got to figure it's uh it's not going to be cheap by, uh, by any means. I mean, let's see what we got going on here. Yeah. I'm more or less looking at like the Linus Olmark, Peter Morazic range of goaltender. Yeah, the top five ranked here on uh, Cap Friendly are Rask, Freddie Anderson, Devin Dubnik, Antti Ranta, and Jim Reimer. So, I mean, obviously there are other ones going down the list here, like uh, you have Grubauer, Morazic was another name that I saw pop up, uh, Jonathan Bernier, Carter Hutton, don't even think about it, your boy, <laughs> Mark, and uh, 
David Riddick was another one. How do you feel about David Riddick? My only thing with David Riddick is I think he's going to re-sign with Toronto. Um, I think that that's one of those things like where they brought him in as a rental just to see like what they had in him, just like through practices and having a game or two here and there. And I think that he's going to be the 1A, 1B guy with Jack Campbell. Goalie market's but, really um, this year. Just looking at it, like like Allmark's the youngest guy here. Every goalie yeah. in this is like thirty, is like thirty four or above. Yeah, yeah. It's they're all old. Yeah, Older. and there's already rumors that James Reimer's going to sign like a one year, one million dollar deal to be the backup in Tampa. Yeah. So he's off the board. Yeah. You know, and. uh I mean, honestly, I think Linus Olmark's the guy. And trade market – and my secondary option would probably be anti Ranta, um, even though he can't stay healthy. Um, and trade options, they they were looking into um, Darcy Kemper today. I, I saw a tweet from that NHL Rumors Daily guy that said um, that the Penguins were looking into – or have at least checked in on Darcy Kemper. Um, I think that's something that the Coyotes have been working to try and just do before this roster freeze so that they don't have to protect them in expansion because it would suck for them to have to lose Aiden Hill for nothing uh, to Seattle. Very true. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it's one of those things, like it's looming over my head, you know, and, like, I, I keep saying, like, oh, let's just run our 1A, 1B with Jari and a guy they signed in free agency. And that's all fine and well, but Jim Rutherford literally handcuffed the organization by giving him a contract extension with big money in term. You know, I mean, I hate to even say this, but, like, the contract itself gives me Miko Koskinen vibes. It's that bad. It's just the only thing that's different is Jari's still somewhat young and a team like the Oilers might be like, oh, we could use this guy. We think that we can fix it. You know, I don't know, man. It's just ridiculous that um, we're like, I mean, we thought that the Penguins would be doing okay, but uh I really don't know, especially like with Malkin being injured. I mean, the issue is, is like, there's so much, like obviously Hextall and Burke have done phenomenal since they've gotten here. The, um, the Carter trade was fantastic. I'll even go as far as saying the um, waiver claim of Mark Friedman was great as well. It's just, there's so much little things to fix over time with this, uh, with this team because of, random boneheaded decisions made by Jim Rutherford. What do you think Hextall's infatuation with Friedman's all about? Because I feel like, because I mean, he puts him on the protected list. I understand there wasn't like many options that were, you know, great per se after those first, after Latane and Doom one that you were going to protect. But it just seems like for whatever reason, he keeps running back to Friedman. I'm not, hundred percent certain, you know, as to why I'll give the guy credit. You know, like you said, we talked, we talked it earlier, Dougie, and you talked about how he's, he's only 25, which I had, you know, I didn't even remember to be honest with you, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't look at Mark Friedman and think, okay, this is, you know, potentially a, a, a top four defenseman. 
You know, I don't even think he's better than POJ, truth be told. I mean, do you feel yeah. like Hextall's kind of just – Hextall fell in love with him when he was at Philly and he was like, you know what, we have to have this guy? Or what Like, what do you think the deal is with that? I think he drafted him and he really likes him. And I think, you know, like I said to you, like they're protecting him simply because like they're not going to take like a 32 or 33-year-old Chad Ruedel off of the Penguins. There's no sense in protecting Chad Ruedel. And – Every you know with Marino and POJ exempt, who else do you have to protect have, other than? They have Rico you know, still, like, but and now, you're going to try and get rid of that contract, like mm-hmm. come hell or high water. Yeah, exactly. So, but like with Friedman, honestly, I'd be comfortable with him being the sixth, the sixth defenseman going into this year. You know, I'd be okay with the third pairing being him and PO Joseph. I honestly think it's going to be him and P.O. Joseph. So is Patterson or Matheson going then? In my – I'd love for them to trade Matheson because Patterson plays really good with Marino. Mm -hmm. And he's a lot of what keeps John Marino stable. Right. So – Find a way to trade Mike Matheson. I don't know how you do it. I don't know what you get in return, but there has to be somebody out there that, you know, he's desperate enough for defensemen to make that happen. Well, it might be a little bit effort for somebody like Schultz a few years ago. I mean, he was, like you said, bottom of the toy barrel uh, at some point. I mean, he needed that last pitch effort. Um I feel like some GM out there will need him uh, at mm-hmm. some point, whether it's in the off season or throughout the season, uh, whether you release him right now, he gets picked up uh, or trade bait in the future. Um, yeah. I think no matter what his, uh, his stock will always be moderately high just because of what he's done with the people that he's played with. Um, if, if there's a hole in a roster somewhere and they have similar players uh, with similar capabilities, put them right next to him. I think he might be able to work some magic. Yeah, and another like a team that I think of right away would be the Senators. Um, they 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 have a hole open on the left side after they trade Mike Riley in the summer or in the uh, trade deadline, and a lot of people are saying that they um, they attest a lot of Mike Riley's success in Ottawa and his career rebound on. Um, playing with Artem's up, um, who is a guy that they signed from the KHL this summer or this last, last summer. And I think to myself, like if you put Mike Matheson with Artem's up, you might get better out, better outreach than you got in Pittsburgh in a third or second or third pairing role. It just comes down to money because I mean, the Sens, even though they have a lot of good stuff going on right now, they do have a lot of, cap issues I feel because like Colin White's on a big contract um that Matt Murray contract as much as I love Matt Murray that Matt Murray contract is atrocious um like that is that rivals Martin Jones in all honesty um I don't know I mean there's going to be a team that needs them you know it reminds me a lot of like the uh Erica Branson versus Jack Johnson trade bait situation that we went through a couple summers ago where you're just like all right, we're going to ride this with Eric Branson 
but you know that one day you're just going to look at your phone and you're going to see you got traded out west somewhere, you know? Yep. So I think that that's where we're at with it. Um, I'd much prefer him to be traded before training camp starts just so they have that cap flexibility to work with. But um, real quick, remember how I said we're going to break a trade? Oh, boy, here it is. Fire it God up, almighty, man. we're going to break a trade. Give it to me. The Detroit Red Wings have traded the 52nd overall pick and forward Richard Ponick to the New York Islanders for Nicoletti. Once again, once again, if that's going on, one of these two men can be traded and they can be traded for value. Um, so, yeah, I that's a damn good trade for the Red Wings, man. Yeah, Letty, that's like, that's been a stable name on the island for a while. He's so sick. He can cord back a power play. Still nice <laughs> with it. Like, really, really good stuff. And, again, the type of trade that rebuilding teams should be making. You know, you have, like, your prospect pool so loaded to begin with that, like, giving up a second-round pick is not great. You know, so why not get it for a proven commodity – commodity that can help your team right now take you from that last step of your rebuild to playoff contention scotty what are you thinking man well it's interesting you just made that statement there do you think that Troy's at their last step already you think they're that close because i mean i i don't see i don't really see that to be honest i feel like they still have another year or two to go well what do you they probably do have another year or two to go but if they're able to draft jesper wallstead that goalie prospect, they're pretty damn close. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, but, you know, good trade for Detroit. Um, decent trade for the Islanders because, you know, Richard Ponick fits what that team does. Whatever it is that team does, you know. Um my Detroit thing, retained 50% on Richard Ponick. My thing with it is like, like you said, that I don't, Dougie, I don't know if you said that or not, if you said this or not, but like, if what he does have a, you know, a decent year with the Red Wings, you see them flipping him at the deadline potentially? They could. Um, yeah, I think they could. Obviously, like, like I'm looking at right now, he's on an expiring deal. So he could easily get um, shipped out for something at the deadline. Um, especially like if he has a good year, has a resurgent year. I mean, obviously, I don't know. I'm not a coach. I don't know much about the Detroit system, but like one would think he's probably going to be on a pairing with Troy Stetcher. Mm -hmm. And that alone is going to help Letty immensely. Um, because Troy Stetcher had a coming out party this past calendar year. He's unreal. Um, and I think that he can be a really, really good um, defenseman for the future for them to build around with guys like Mort Cedar and, uh, you know, Philip Heronik on that right side. So, um, yeah, I think that they could easily get like a second round pick or more out of Nick Letty at the trade deadline, especially if they retain salary on him. Um, but yeah, once again, if you're, if anybody in the Pittsburgh Penguins front office is listening to this, you have defensemen that need to be traded. 
please trade those defensemen. But um, back to the Penguins and before we got since since we got all thrown off. Um, you know, we're going into a free agency period where I want them to add at least two top members. You know, um, I really want them to look at Thomas Tatar to play with Malkin, like I said. And you still need a top nine winger option to take that spot on that that right right that right wing spot on the Carter line. You know, um, we're talking about Jared McCann being a thirty goal scorer if he plays with Malkin. I genuinely think Jared McCann's a twenty-five to thirty goal scorer if he has a more talented winger on that line, or if he's playing with Jeff Carter the entire season. Um, because let's face it, I mean Jared McCann half the year he's playing with like Mark Jankowski, and I think they were force feeding Brandon Tanev up into that third line. So you know, and not a knock on Brandon Tanev. I mean, he's defensively he's a monster and he's fast as shit, but. Uh, not really a goal scorer, uh, hence why he didn't work with Malkin and Galley whenever they first brought him in. So, um, yeah, that's what I think they need to do. You know, like I, I would like, I don't know, I don't even know. Like, How if they could get about Brandon Sod potentially. I was literally just about to say Brandon Sod. My my brain farted out. It was between Brandon Sod or Jaden Schwartz. Mm-hmm. That's another one I saw too. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, and Schwartz would probably be cheaper than Sod. But like, if you could sign um, Brandon Sod to like a four year deal where he makes like four and a half million dollars, he takes on that like Patrick Hornquist role of uh, playing the third line, be the net front guy on the power play. I think that that's, I think that's money in the bank right there. Um, you know, and then like Tatar, you have him play here for a year until sample one's ready. You know, because at some point, you know, maybe Saad moves up with Malkin next, the year after, and Pullen slides into the third line or vice versa. Pullen just goes right onto the second line or with Sid or whatever. And, you know, if they lose that, if they make the right thing and make it where the Kraken have no choice but to take Zach Aston Reese by protecting Jared McCann, you already have the guy to replace him. Redeem Zahorna is going to go in there and play with Bluger and Tanev, and the, that fourth line is going to destroy people. I think, you know, if not, you saw Freddie Goodrow. But in my opinion, you you sign Freddie Goodrow to a two or three year deal where he's making under a million bucks, and he's kind of like a, um, you know, your Chad Ruedel of the forward group, where he's like that ace in the hole depth guy that uh, you don't really play much, but when you do play him, you know he's going to be effective. If there was to so, be any pickup, uh, would you rather have? Because, I mean, speed clearly was not an issue last year. I mean, we were, we were matching up uh, speed-wise with, with everybody in the NHL. That was not the issue. Uh, now, if these were, trades are to happen or these moves, like you're saying, would you rather acquire a winger with more speed on that Carter-McCann uh, pairing or would you want another maybe skillful guy with a little bit more head on his shoulders opposed to Tanev, like you said, who isn't putting the – the puck's in the net, except he has that hellacious speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's a big part of why I, 
Scotty and I were advocating for Brandon Saad because mm-hmm. he plays a physical game. He plays with an edge and you already have enough speed on that line with McCann. And let's be honest, Jeff Carter's still really fast. He has that Jordan Stahl, like lumbering deceptive speed thing where he carries the puck in the neutral zone, looks kind of slow, and then he just takes off. Yep. So I think, you know, if you wanted to get a physical guy and another, you know, I mean, I don't know how you do it, but like the perfect winger that we're talking about for this Carter line would be if you could find a way to get Jordan Greenway out of Minnesota. I think that that would be phenomenal. Um, you know, he, he's a good skilled forward, but he also plays with an edge. He plays physical. He's going to hit people. You know, another one that I thought of would be Miles Wood from New Jersey. You know, that was somebody that I was looking at. You know, a lot of things that were going on in my head had me saying trade Marcus Patterson for Miles Wood. But now with Graves going to New Jersey, that's probably highly unlikely. Um. Yeah, I think you know you need a you need a physical forward for that line. Now, something else I want to touch on. Um, what would you guys think of committing long term to Zach Hyman? Oh, the long-term only reason I say this. What'd you say? Long term and Penguins that that. that those combos just scare me. I mean, it has to be a dead lock. Uh, unless Hextall is, you know, 100% sold on what they can give to this team, uh, not only in one year or two years. Anything long-term, it always comes back to bite us, whether it's Latang or Gino. I mean, I remember Gino, what, what was, when was his last contract up, or two contracts ago, like 2013? Everyone was calling for his out. Um just because he ran his course in a way, or maybe people believe that uh, he has nothing left to give and you still have that four or five extra years, uh, X, Y, Z million dollars left on the table. Um, yeah. Everybody was freaking out about the knee. Yeah. Injury. You know, that was really what it was. Um, I mean, here's my thing. It's the closest thing you're going to get to Chris Kunitz, what Chris Kunitz was in his prime. Mm-hmm. and they acquired Chris Kunitz in his age 29, age 30 season. It is right before Zach Hyman's age 29, age 30 season, and I did the math. Chris Kunitz still played here six or seven years before he left, you know? So giving Zach Hyman seven years and like five to five and a half million dollars does not seem as batshit crazy to me as it would to some people. Um you know, playing with Malkin for the for the year, and then whenever Russ inevitably departs in free agency, move him up with Sid and Jake. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like that, and also if you negotiate something to that four to five mil a year range, uh, something that's cap friendly, team friendly, and also six years down the line, whenever it could be injury ridden or just a plain old struggle. Uh, he, yeah. He'd be willing to, you know, keep that lower salary for adding a few guys. I mean, I have no idea what the future holds. I thought this past season was going to be an absolute, you know, bomb of a season. But it, it shocked mm-hmm. a lot of us. Uh, and it's getting those guys that, 
you know, you really never expected to be good. When like, like you said, the Jeff Carter thing, that mile long stare, uh, I think we all had it. I think it was that kind of uh, trepidation. We were all scared of, is this really the direction the Penguins are going to go? Is this the correct move in this period of time? And, you know, if a long-term deal for someone like Hyman happens, I mean, that's, that's not the end of the world. Um, I just feel that that there's a there's a lot of uh, moving parts to be made before you even think about that and started off like you said earlier uh, one defensive piece and a hundred percent goaltending I mean that has to be the first check mark off the list yeah you know for me it's a goaltender a defenseman given you move guys out and a forward yeah you know they need one of everything um in order to be okay. Um, and I mean, you know, that's not even uh, enough. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like at, at this point, asking, it's, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you're asking for a whole hell of a lot out of PO Jones. Yep. Like, yeah. I don't know, dude. Marino too. I mean, all these young guys are going to have all this pressure, kind of like what Latang had at the beginning, beginning of his career. Uh, you got to lean on somebody. If you have an older group of guys around you or guys with not a lot of experience, like Joseph coming up, uh, you know, you're going to rely on your guys who have been there two or three years and have maybe made a deep playoff run or two. Uh, you, you need to lean on their coattails a little bit. And that's just that added pressure throughout that 82 game season. It just wears you down. And in the back of my mind, that's why I kind of want the Penguins to look into Ryan Suter to play with John Marino because a big part of what helped Chris Letang when he first got up here was he was playing with Sergey Gonchar. And at that point, you know, post 08 cup run, plus the run he went on with the Capitals, Gonchar seen it all. Yeah. You know, like Ryan Suter's been around the block. I know that there haven't been a lot of deep playoff teams in Minnesota, but like he did it consistently in Nashville. And I mean, I'd give him the Jack Johnson cap hit special. I'd give him $3.25 million for two years. Let him play with Marino. Hopefully you get a couple of them and he rides off into the sunset. Yeah. You know, I'd be perfectly fine with our depth down the left side of the defense being Brian Dumoulin, Ryan Sear, P.O. Joseph. That's strong. It is. That's and then this also brings up this question. Uh, we're thinking about future. How many more years is the window open to get these, not big name guys, but these assets that really are meant for the present and not necessarily, or for the future and not necessarily the present, kind of like where Ottawa is or Buffalo, uh, Anaheim, some of these teams that are constantly moving players left and right. I don't know, Scotty. Would I, would I be optimistic if I said two to three years? Yeah, optimistic would be the right word there. Logan, at this point, like I don't even I don't even know what to say about the window. To be honest, I thought the window was closed whenever they lost to Montreal. You know what I mean? And then they come out this year and they win a division title. Then I'm like, okay, maybe we still have a chance. And then we lose in the first round again. So I'm like, I, at this point, I've given up trying to figure out what the window is or how long it's open. I honestly just think at, at this point, you just take it year by year. You know, it's at one point they are going to at some point they're going to miss the playoffs. And when that happens, okay, it's done. It's over. But until then you just keep coming back year after year and you see what happens. You know, I think that's the best option going forward because 
there's no sense trying to predict, okay, this is when we're finally going to crash and burn. You know what I mean? Like this is when it's going to happen because it could have easily been this year and it didn't happen. They end up shocking everybody and winning the division. Everyone was predicting that the Pens were going to miss the playoffs. Even I thought at some point they were going to miss the playoffs this year now, and they end up winning the division title. So like I said, I've, I don't think there is a window. I think the window is just, it's just year by year at this point, you know, it's, it's going to be open. If they make the playoffs again, okay. Window's still open. If they miss it next year. All right. It's done. I think that's just what it has to be. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is uh, have what happened with the nineties bowls where Jerry Cross literally just blew it up saying that he thought it was time when they easily could have won an NBA championship in the 2000s, you know, and that's, that's where I'm at with it is, you know, I mean, knock on wood, if Sid's brain holds up, he could play another five to seven years. And whether it be a top line talent or doing like some weird Philip Deneau type shit where he's a shutdown third line center, you know, he can still be an incredible player. And I, you know, he's going to have guys that can play with him. Um, it's just being able to build around him, being able to build around them. Um, you know, and I think a couple years down the line, once the cap starts going up and Crosby and Malkin get into their last few years of their careers and they just keep taking like one in like Malkin and tank keep taking one year deals. If a young ish center kind of like where uh, Dylan Strom is right now comes up on the trade market, they will move the moon and the earth for him to uh, come in and play third line center until someone's ready to retire. You know, I think that that's the way to go, you know, and if, if the wheels fall off the bus magically in 2023 and they fall ass backwards into Matt V. Mitchkov or Connor Bedard, God bless him. That's, you know, that's pretty much how I feel on it. Um, but like, we really didn't even touch on what we were supposed to touch on. The Brandon Tanev over Jared McCann situation. I just realized that. Like, we kind of like got all sentimental and let the wheels fall off the bus here for a couple minutes. But, uh, you know, why is everybody obsessed with Brandon Tanev? I think it's a little... Go ahead, Scott. Or, you go ahead. I said the same reason they were obsessed with Flurry. You know, yeah. He's, he's got those little moments where you're like, oh, he's really cool. He's a nice guy. Or he's, you know, he's... Or it's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's hitting a guy and then he's screaming, you know, or something like that. Like, he gets really pumped up on the bench and, you know, he'll be, he'll be yelling in guys' faces and everyone's like, oh, that's really cool. Same way Marc-Andre Fleury would make a flashy glove save and then he'd smile to the referee after he throw the puck at him. You know, it's stuff like that. You know, we, we get hooked on those little things because, you know, they stand like, oh, he's actually enjoying playing the game. You know, athletes always look so serious whenever they're playing games. And then here's this guy who just, you know, either on just completely happy about what he's doing. And then you have Brandon Tanev, who's, you know, just goes full psycho, you know, just sees red. I feel like that's that's what fans love to see. And honestly, it's what GMs love to see, too. They love to see, you know, certain players do, you know, do those things that just, you know, bring, just attracts them, I guess. I don't know what the deal is, but, you know, maybe if Jared McCann 
had a better goal celebration. Maybe he'd stick around. I don't know. But either way, for whatever reason, he doesn't have something. He's lacking something that Brandon Tanev possesses in the eyes of Ron Hextall. And I think that's what it just comes down to in the end is Ron Hextall sees something in Tanev that he doesn't see him McCann. And it's probably showing up in the playoffs is what he sees. That's not a thing that I was thinking about, too. Honestly, you know, and that's, because, that's what sucks. Yeah. He's not a player. That and a lot of the ten of love, I feel like, comes from just the fans. I feel like, you know, Pittsburgh, we're very sentimental people. We like to hold on to the past. And like Flurry, another name that comes up is Max Talbot, 100%. I mean, they play a similar game. And you think about whenever Max left to go to Philly, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, like, what a traitor, this, that, and the other. But in hindsight, if you think about it, it wasn't the end of the world that we got rid of him. Same thing as Tanev. I mean, it's he's definitely replaceable. There are other guys like him. Now, necessarily as tenacious and, you know, a gritty as he is, maybe not. Same as Max Talbot back in the day. But it was definitely something that you can move on from. Uh, and I think it is just that personality that kind of takes over the eyes of some fans or even some people in the uh, – in the top offices. They like that personality hanging around the locker room or the city, be a face for a franchise, um, whether it's just a social media face or a, a, an ability face. And building yeah. off what you said, Logan, um, Max Talbot gets way too much crap for signing that deal with Philly. <laughs> he gets way, way too much. Way too much. If you think about it, he had one shot at making at signing a big contract in his life, and you thought he was going to pass that up just to stick around in Pittsburgh. <laughs> No Never. chance. Oh, you got to get your money. Yeah. Exactly. He won the cup. He scored the two goals. He doesn't need anything else. Exactly. Like I, I did my job, and now I got a shot at making $35 million. This is going to set me for life. You, you better believe I'm signing that contract. I would have been yeah. pissed at him if he didn't. Exactly. You say yeah. He gets way too much crap for that, honestly. I remember he did, like, an interview with Phil Bork, and Bork was giving him a hard time about signing Philly. It's like, dude, there we go. It's over. Exactly. How many players were Yeah. And he's French-Canadian, so he'll take a penny more if he has to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, 100%. Yeah, back to McCann, though. You know, it sucks that they they might potentially lose Jared McCann because I just looked in my DMs on Twitter. Someone sent me a um, – you know those, like, analytics heat maps? Mm-hmm. You know who's You know who Jared McCann's heat map is most comparable to? Guess mm. super, young superstars in the league. Like today, like right now? Right now. Mitch Martin. I'm going to go like Huberto or something on the path. Elias Patterson. Ooh. Wow. And we're going to give that away for free. Wow. We're going to give that away for free. Well, Patterson had a hot start last year. He got hurt early on, didn't he? Yeah, he got hurt early on. It kind of just lingered throughout the year. But like yeah. – Dude, like, how do you give that away? Here's another question I want to ask you, Dougie, real quick. Do you think there's any – like, what would the Penguins have to give Seattle in order to get them to take, like, a Zach Aston Reese or somebody like that? What do you think they'd have to give up? In my opinion, I think that they value Aston Reese enough that you only have to give them, like, a second or a third. Um, you know, very smart – analytics savvy front office in Seattle being led by Ron Hextall, but, or by uh, Ron Francis. Oh my God. Um, but uh, I mean, Zach Aston Reese is literally the best defensive forward in hockey. 
if you did the Selkie on defensive metrics alone, Zach Aston Reese would have won the North, would have won the Selkie. Um, so I don't think it's going to take a lot. It's just a matter of, you know, making sure you don't get hosed because just like we said, we're at a point right now where we really can't be giving up draft picks. Like for, especially for crap like this, you know, which makes me hope that they make the right decision and protect Tanev. I mean, I'd even go as far as saying if they exposed Kapanen over McCann, the Kraken would probably still end up taking Zach Aston Reese. You know, because with Kapanen, he's just a very one-dimensional shooter who got a lot of his goals on just very opportunistic rush attempts. You he know, a lot of goals I, in breakaway this year. Yep. Yeah, a lot of breakaway goals, a lot of goals in transition. Um, you know, I mean, he, he's one of those guys, like, he reminds you a lot of Phil Kessel, where he's just very one-dimensional. Um, he's not really defensively sound. I don't know where the whole Maple Leafs putting him on the penalty kill thing came from, but, like, that ain't it. You know? And I mean, I love Cappy as a player. I'm not going to crap. I'm not going to say like bad stuff about him, but like when it comes down to it, you probably protect him over Jared McCann. You know, um, I just think that that is just straight up fact. Um, and the big thing with that is like, you know, I don't really think you're losing much if you lose Kapanen. You're losing way more losing Jared McCann. In my eyes. Scotty, what do you think? I'm not sure. I feel like – I honestly feel the opposite, though. I feel like Kapanen has at least been a little bit more consistent than McCann in the playoffs. That's the yeah. big X factor for me, is that McCann does not have that – you know, that, that standout playoff performance. Not that Kapanen necessarily has it either, but compared to McCann, it's not even close. So I think that's would be what separates it for me between those two. I agree. Um, you know, I can agree. And it's not even just showing up in the playoffs in Pittsburgh. He had some massive playoff moments for the Maple Leafs during his tenure there. Yeah, an overtime winner against Washington, didn't he? Yeah, he had yeah he had that OT winner against Washington. He had that OT winner against Columbus in the bubble. <laughs> you know, like there's so much that he's done already in the playoffs that makes it seem like he's an asset. You know, and I mean, I know they just signed him to an extension, but again, I also don't see the infatuation with Teddy Blue. You know. Um, and it's another thing of you know there's a big thing in the city of Pittsburgh they love their fourth line grinders they love their backup quarterbacks they love their backup goalies you know they love all those guys that just play those roles you know granted they don't really like the Steelers backup quarterback right now in Mason Rudolph but hey it's pretty much been 
fact for years that they all love backup quarterbacks. I mean, I'm pretty sure I have a Dennis Dixon jersey in my basement, for God's sake. <laughs> that's a name. Yeah, it's a name and a half. It's a name and a half. But um, anything else you guys want to touch on? Like, what else are you guys thinking? Like, anything that's on your mind? I mean, what do we – I guess one thing we should probably get into just a little bit is uh, the Parise and Suter uh, buyouts, I guess, would, wouldn't be a bad thing to get into. You know what I mean? That went completely over my head as well as Keith Yandel. And Keith Yandel um, too. Yeah, he's another one where it's like, you know, I, I had Keith Yandel potentially getting taken by Seattle in the expansion draft. Yeah. That's, kind of, that's out the window now. Thanks, thanks Florida. <laughs> but, um, I mean – how crazy is that? I mean, I, you, we all remember how insane it was whenever they made that signing back on the 4th of July almost 10 years ago. It was honestly like the, it was like the day that broke them, and they didn't even know it yet. You know what I mean? Like that, those yeah. two contracts are going to be hanging over their heads for quite some time. You know, it's just – it really just puts things in perspective, like kind of – I don't want to say it was an arrow wasted – but it kind of was in a sense. You know what I mean? Because now you think about it, you're going to have all that dead cap on your books for at least the next, at least for the next six years. It might be longer than that. I'm not 100% certain, but. Yeah, it's like five or six years. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't even say it's an era wasted. It's an era that probably shouldn't have even happened. Elaborate. I mean, I know that you don't get free agents to sign in Minnesota a whole hell of a lot. And it was lucky they got a draw there because of probably because of that uh, Parise's dad playing for the North Stars. But like, honestly, man, like you could have committed $15 million in like however many years of term that was to a lot of different stuff back in 2011. You could have gotten a lot of better players over the next couple of off seasons, you know? Um, and who's to say, like, they could have drafted a lot more top-end talent through the draft and had a lot higher draft picks than they did without Parisian Suter. You know, like, I mean, you got to think they could have had some really nice centers, especially like you go like McDavid draft, Matthews draft, got drafts like that later in the 2010s where they, they were, they could have been a ping pong ball away from being an absolute unit of a team right now with uh, Fiala and Carell. How do you think Billy G's going to steer the ship over there? I think he's doing great so far. I think that that man is a graduate of the Jim Rutherford School of Abstract General Managing, and he's going to run that thing into the ground. You think? Dude, Interesting. I mean, you got to think of it this way. Like, yeah, they might be able to get Jack Eichel with this cap space they created, but are they going to be able to keep him – Fiala and Kaprizov long-term. I mean, they're already struggling with Kaprizov. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he they're, they keep giving him this eight-year term whenever he wants like four or five years so he can go get a big payday. 
you know, that's the thing that they need to respect is like he stayed over in the KHL so long that if you lock him up to eight years, he's committing his entire career to the Minnesota Wild. And I mean, as much as I love watching the Wild play, that's not a good move. No. You know, I mean, right now your number one center is Joel Erickson Eck, who just like Miko Koivu needs help around him. I mean, he should realistically be the third line center of that team. You know, and I think a big reason why they signed that inflated cap hit, obviously it is a great contract for what, for what he brings to the table. And when the cap inflates by the end of that deal, that's going to be the going rate for a third line center, mm-hmm. you know, but you're going to have Marco Rossi uh, for the next three years, making under a million bucks. And that's going to be your second line center. And then you have, maybe a Jack Eichel, maybe a Sam Reinhart, maybe Sean Monahan centering your first line. And, you know, you might be cooking with oil, but like really they have three years to win a Stanley cup or this whole thing is going to hell in a handbasket. Yep. You know, and with Keith Yandel, it's pretty damn obvious. He's going to sign with the Bruins, right? Most likely, yeah. I feel Probably like that's a good thing. Yeah, like on like a million dollars. Yeah, most. That's pushing it. Yeah, I mean, because no disrespect to Keith Yandel, but like doesn't really have it much anymore. You know, the man. He's gonna, he's gonna, that's it. Yeah, he is the Iron Man shoot going for him. You know, he's going to play a third-pairing role in Boston, most likely, and he's going to be a really good power play quarterback and replace Tory Krug finally on the power play. Yep. You know, Parise is going to go to the Islanders because Lou's been trying to get him for like four or five years. And um, Ryan Suter's going to be those, that rare buyout where he's still going to sign a rather big ticket and there's going to be a bidding for for him day one of free agency. Yep. You know. Um, but it's also interesting that uh, guys are just straight up getting bought out because they refused to waive their no movement clause for Seattle. Um, I feel like uh, GMs learned a lesson um, a couple years ago after Kevin BX refused to waive his no move, and the Ducks ended up losing Shea Theodore because of it. You know. I mean, the, the move at the time would have probably been to buy out Kevin Biaxa because I don't even think he played that next season. I think he ended up retiring anyway or ended up not being able to play. So they, the Ducks screwed themselves out of a literal franchise defenseman to go alongside their other franchise defenseman. And the whole thing just was a mess. You know, but unfortunately, I don't think the Penguins learned any lessons. Um, Jared McCann is probably going to be the crown jewel of that uh, expansion draft. You know, he's going to be that Jonathan Marshall type figure, and we are all going to hate it. <laughs> I was going to um, say we already did the flurry thing, Marshall. I mean, we're just we're just feeding these new teams uh, talent. Yeah, and I mean, in faces of the franchise. So let's talk about that. Flurry. You think he's going to get traded to Chicago? I just read that. That's crazy. And I do. I think so. Why the hell would Gallant, year after year, not place his trust in the Flurry? 
Why is that such a last minute decision or a surprise to so many people in the playoffs? Even whenever he plays well, a game after he plays well, and he might look a little bit fatigued. Um, I know everyone blamed his blunder behind the net, uh, you know, onto him being tired, this, that, and the other. But it's just a simple bad bounce. I mean, Flurry, if you look at his career in general, how many of these series or games are fully on him? As a Penguins fan, I never remembered a, a goalie outcry as bad as Jari this past playoffs. I mean, that swept everything. That masked any bad performance a defenseman or a forward had. I remember people crying out uh, after a Philly series and geez, what was that, 2013-14 now, uh, telling, you know, crying out, flurry, leave, flurry, leave. But I think that, um, you know, a, a coach has to stick with his guns with him. Uh, because he does have a lot to offer. And I feel like if, you, if you're that bouncy switching out goalies, middle of the playoffs, uh, you really uncalled for, unannounced, that makes the guys ahead of you really shaky. You know, you don't know what the coach is doing. He's a loose cannon. Uh, one wrong move, you could end up like Flurry. Someone could replace you that easily. Uh, they just need to find someone who can place trust into him. Because yeah. clearly it's not us or Vegas. No. You know, and my big thing is, is like, I don't even think that there will be trust in him in Vegas or in uh, Chicago because he's going to be running a 1A, 1B with Kevin Lankin. Yep. Who was pretty damn good this season. I'm pretty sure he was high up in Calder voting um, for his rookie season. But honestly, man, if the Blackhawks are going all in, I think that's the move you make. Or, I mean, you still look at it. Fleury's one of the best goaltenders in the league still. I mean, that's, that's just not debatable at all. Yeah. 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 He just won a Vesna trophy. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I just won a Vesna trophy and we're treating him like the redheaded stepchild. It's ridiculous. I mean, the Penguins did it too. And, and it was so sad whenever that happened. I, I didn't know why. I didn't understand it. A lot, half the people did, half didn't. It's kind of like an election. I mean, half are going to like the decision, half won't. Um, it turned out to not bite us in the ass, thankfully, because Murray was, you know, that guy for a few years, but he also ran his course. I don't think Fleury necessarily ran his full course with the Penguins. I just think we cut his leash off um, maybe a year or two sooner than we should have back in, you know, the talks of trade in 2014 and so on. So I think that diminished uh, his confidence, even though he kept that smile and you know, happy persona around the room, which ultimately led to two very successful Stanley Cup seasons. You know, and the big thing with Flurry moving Flurry out was the cap. I mean, yeah, moving out that cap had allowed them to keep both Brian Dumoulin and Justin Schultz, you know, and that allowed them to at least be in the running to run it back going into 2018, go, th go for the three-peat and bring in, you know, Derek Broussard. Yeah. I mean, that didn't work, but still. You know, if there were two things I could do in hindsight from that three-year run, I would move Murray after the back-to-back -back cups for the moon and the earth. And I would probably uh, – I would trade for J.G. Pajot instead of Derek Broussard. You know? Because There's I, I – What? I said, if there was a time machine, I mean, that would be perfect in, in retrospect. That that would have made yeah. more sense coming out of it. But, 
Um, I still think, you know, the, the gamble game still has to be played. And I don't think Broussard landed us in a terrible spot by any means, which was good. No, no. It's just he had a bad attitude. But, like, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. still got a shared McCann. Yep. You know, um, I don't know, boys, but, uh, you know, the expansion draft is this Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so. Tune into that. See what happens. Protection list, I think, come out tomorrow. So we're gonna we're gonna know what's going on tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow at five, right? Tomorrow at five. So that's gonna be a time. Um, it's gonna be a time to be alive. Tis the season, baby. Dude, honestly, though, like. Crazy exciting. It is crazy. It really is, you know. Because I have no idea what the hell is gonna happen. We could say whatever we want. Who knows? I mean, anything could happen. Like the Phil thing a few years ago, you know, granted it wasn't an expansion, but I mean that blew our it blew our socks off. Just those blindsided hits that you never know what can happen any given second of that day. Yeah, I mean Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, what's up with that? That's a move. That could be still think he has some in the tank. It's just like if he's able to stay healthy, dude. Yeah. My God. Yeah. My God, if he's able to stay healthy. All right, guys. Anything else you want to touch on? We're all good, man. Yes. Cool. I have one. I just want to ask you. It's not a discussion point, but Pierre Maguire, we were talking about him. Is he the only guy who was with? versus slash NBC Sportsnet from its creation until its demise? Because I think he was. Eddie Olchek was too, I think. I could be wrong. No, he was still coaching in Pittsburgh, buddy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Pierre was – I think Pierre was there the whole time, right? I think he was the only one. Yeah. Wow. So he was the captain of the ship, and he went down with it. That is crazy. I just think it's hilarious that he ended up being the one who sold out and got a GM job out of it. He got like a it's hockey true. ops job out of it. Awesome. Yeah. I find that just absolutely hilarious. So either that shows Ottawa's desperate or Ottawa's like, hey, he's gained this 18 years of current game knowledge every breathing second of the day. Maybe he could spew a little bit here. I don't know, but I find that fascinating. It, it's, it's something to, to behold. Yes, needless for damn sure because like yeah, that's a stat that I never would bet a dollar on. The 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 content that could just come out of this man being the uh, you know being in charge of anything on a hockey team is uh, it it is horrifying and it's pretty damn fun to witness when it's not your team yes <laughs> it's not even a team you have any like emotional connection to at all like zero senators are just the senators you know yeah so all right guys this has been another episode of four checking tv be sure to like and subscribe to us on youtube follow us on spotify and follow us on apple podcasts all right guys thank you Have a good night. See you later.